Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Hollywood Swingin'. I am your host, Stephen Bishop, alongside, as always, my co-host, the ever debonair and dapper Jerry Hairston Jr., a.k.a. the J. Hey Kid, a.k.a. the Legacy, a.k.a. a five-time Emmy Award winner. Jerry, how you doing today? Well, Stephen, I'm doing great. And you know what? I, I always, well, see, this is the first time I'm going to correct you. Uh, it's six-time, six-time Emmy Award winner, so... Uh, uh, oh, I know wow. last time we had talked, I was the five-time Emmy Award winner. But since then, I, I just recently we just recently won an Emmy for what we do with the Dodgers. So I'm very proud of that. We have great people working at, at that network. So uh, we are extremely pleased and extremely proud. Well, wow, Jerry. Uh, you know, that was just last week that we yes. talked last. And you've won an Emmy in a week. And just in case anybody's counting, I'm still at zero. So... You know, Jerry, Jerry moved to six. I'm still at zero. Well, but, may, you know, maybe maybe work on getting better looking, Stephen. Uh, if you maybe a little I, better yeah. looking, possible, be yeah. a strong possible, they can get, get one or two. Well, you know, we all strive to be mistaken for Denzel Washington in the streets of Los Angeles, Jerry, like you occasionally, apparently, allegedly do. Uh, but I, you know, I try, I get in the gym, I eat healthy, I drink water and I mind my business. So, you know, I'm trying to do what I can, but you know, uh, you know, Hey, Jerry, I want to talk to you real quick about, uh, this Shohei Otani guy yes. over there in Anaheim. Um, there was a, you know, he was on the trade block for a while. I saw a lot of talk about maybe he comes to the Dodgers. I even saw a guy wearing a custom made Otani Dodgers Jersey. That somebody mm -hmm. said he's now he's now hoping he can get a refund for. I see the Angels have taken him off the market. This guy, I, I don't know that we'll ever see, or in our lifetime we've seen anything like him. I mean, obviously Babe Ruth was a guy that was you know in a similar position, pitching and and hitting. Uh, I don't know how how long he did both in the same season, but I mean, is he possibly going to be the greatest athlete in the Big Four sports in in American history? Uh, he's he definitely has a strong possibility, especially the way he's playing the game now. I mean, he's really starting to enter his prime. Uh, look at it this way, Stephen. He is the best pitcher in baseball right now, and he's the best power hitter in baseball right now. So think of it. Garrett Cole of the Yankees, incredible pitcher. Aaron Judge of the Yankees, incredible power guy. Had Led the league uh, last year, led all of Major League Baseball at home runs last year. So if you combine Garrett Cole – and Aaron Judge, guess what you get? Shohei Otani. So he's making a strong case that not only is he the best athlete, but if this continues the next four, five, seven years, the way he's playing, he's going to make a strong case as the greatest baseball player ever. And I, and I again, I, I'm, I'm always on the I'm always on the team Barry Bonds, team Ken Griffey Jr. Those two guys are the best baseball players I've ever seen. But you cannot deny what this guy is doing. On the mound, dominant. At the plate, dominant. Game. Oh, by the way, he can run too. Can absolutely fly. So, if he does this the next five, seven years, the way he's playing, he's going to make a strong case of being the greatest bas uh, greatest baseball player ever. And, and somebody told me, it's like Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, for a period of time, he was a he was the best defensive player in in, in basketball. And he was the best scorer in basketball. So if you combine, let's say, Tom Brady as a quarterback with Lawrence Taylor defensive ability, you get Michael Jordan. You combine Shohei Otani defense, meaning pitching, 
Okay, he's the best defensive player as a pitcher. He's the best pitcher because that's what defense is. And then combining with the home run threat, scoring, that's that's pretty pretty good. Shohei is incredible. Yeah, at the time of this this taping, he's two ninety nine with uh, thirty six homers and thirty seven. He ribbies. just hit a home run. Two minutes ago. Oh. 37. Yeah. Well, there you go. 37 homers and probably <laughs> 78 or 79 ribbies now. And he's 9-5 nine and, nine and five with a 3.43 ERA. I mean, I, I don't know how he doesn't, you know, get traded at the, at, the, you know, at the deadline. And, you know, it's probably because nobody had enough to offer for him. Well, you know what? One of my good friends, Perry Manashian, he is the GM of the Anaheim Angels. Uh, again, he's, he's got a tough job here, you know. They're in kind of wait and see, but the clock is ticking. They have a chance to make the wild card. And we, as we know, Steven, in baseball, you make a wild card, you're in the playoffs, anything can happen. So if, let's say, they're two games back out of the wild card, you're going to get a healthy Mike Trout back. You add a piece or two with Otani, you make it to the playoffs with Trout, Otani, and maybe another pitcher, another bat, they could make a serious run. But, again, this is going to be – I think it's going to be come down to the last second. It would take a team to offer the world to get Otani because if I'm the Angels, I would almost trade Otani for a ton of prospects, rebuild your farm system, and tell him, you know what? We're going to trade you and give you a chance to win this year, but we want to resign you. So when you resign back with us, we're going to have a better team. That's the way yeah. I would play it if I was them. Yeah. But again, it's not my team. I'm not the general manager, I'm not the owner. Uh, and I would take my – again, if you trade him, you have a chance of losing him because he may fall in love with the team that he's at if they win, win at all. But that's how I would play it. Yeah, like you said, that's a, that's a tough job. You know, you know who else has a tough job, Jerry? Our guest today has a tough job, okay? Uh, this guy well, – Jerry, like I, I often say on this show, our guest today <laughs> yes. needs no introduction. He needs no introduction. Anybody who, who knows this, this sport knows this guy. But because his introduction is so freaking impressive, I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. Our guest today, Jerry, is a 17-year NBA veteran. Grew up in Denver, Colorado, played at Colorado. He had his number four jersey retired there. Uh, he was drafted third overall by Boston in 97. He played for the Celtics, the Raptors, the Nuggets, the Timberwolves, the Pistons, the Knicks, and the Clippers in his NBA career. He was an NBA champion in 2004, NBA Finals MVP that same year, a five-time NBA All-Star, a three-time All-NBA selection, a two-time All-NBA defensive team selection, he had his number one jersey retired in Detroit. Uh, he was a McDonald's All-American, a three-time Mr. Colorado basketball, and is currently the head coach of the Portland Trail Blazers. Ladies and gentlemen, and Jerry, our guest today, Mr. Big Shot himself, Chauncey Billups. Chauncey, how you doing? <laughs> Welcome to Hollywood Swinging, man. Hey, man, I'm good, man. That took too long on that intro, bro. You, they didn't need to know all that, man. <laughs> well, hey, I'll tell you what. Everybody says that about my intros, and I tell them all the same thing. Yes, it was very long, and if you have a long intro, that means you have a long resume. 
So congratulations to you on accomplishing all that you've accomplished in your life. And, you know, you still got a lot more to do now that you're in the coaching uh, realm. Yeah. So it's a pleasure to have you here. Appreciate it, man. I'm happy to be here, man. Yeah, Chauncey, I, I, my first question, I, I'm, I'm going to come out swinging. What was it like beating Shaq, Kobe, GP, Karl Malone in the NBA Finals all by yourself? Not all by myself. <laughs> I definitely wasn't all by myself, man. We, I, I think that our team was maybe one of the, the greatest, just well put together teams um, in the sport. You know, um, everybody had their job to do. Everybody loved the job that they had, the role that they had on the team. Obviously, I was the point guard, and I was, you know, the captain, and I kind of. You know, I had a, a, obviously a lot to do with it, but man, it was so much fun playing with Ben Wallace and Rasheed Wallace and Rip Hamilton running off all those screens everywhere. And then Tayshawn, you know, being our glue guy, you know, um, and our coach Larry Brown, who mm. caused me a lot of sleepless nights, but I learned so much from him, you know, uh, and our bench was strong. Like, it was awesome, bro. Like, it was awesome to be able to, Nobody ever gave us a chance in that series but us. You know, we felt like we was going to win the series when we made it to the finals before game one. And nobody would believe, you know, us until we ended up doing it. So that was a, that was a treasure, man. You know, that was a treasure for me. And you did it handily in, in five games, if I remember correctly. And so that, that surprised a lot of people. Mm -hmm. You mentioned some of your teammates, Ben Wallace, Tayshawn, Sheed Wallace. Now I've had the the opportunity to to hang hang around Sheed a little bit out here in LA every once in a while. I'd see yeah. him out. Great dude, man. Great dude. But 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 people know, man. Sheed is not to be played with. He 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 had a little bit of a a loose screw going on up there. Tell me tell me a Sheed story that I would have never heard before. Ooh, Sheed, man. I I always felt this, bro. Like, she is very misunderstood. Like, people think that she is, like, got every single loose screw, and he really don't. He might have one. <laughs> and the one thing about she, like, he's from Philly. Like, he's from North Philly, and he's really from Philly. You know what I'm saying? If yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but, like, she just, he don't, he don't put up with no BS at all, man. Like, and he don't, she hates his celebrity if you will like he don't like people coming up to him and he don't want to take pictures and you know most of the time people come up to see man like he ignores them you know because he, he he just he don't want that like he he just not into that so uh yeah she 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 is just he's out of control man he's out of control he really he still is to this day I hung out with him one, uh, again this summer, too. And uh, it's just always a blast, bro. It really is. You know, Chauncey, I, I'm from Chicago. So uh, I had never, I grew up in the 80s and 90s, and I never liked the Pistons. Uh, so I always rooted for the Lakers to take him out when, when Magic was, was with them. And I rooted for the Lakers. I'm going to tell you, I rooted for the Lakers when Kobe was there with Shaq against you guys. But you guys, you know, had a team. You know, describe that style of play because you guys were great uh, defensively, 
But also, you guys had some guys that could make some mid-range shots like Rasheed Wallace. Rip Hamilton's one of the greatest mid-range scorers, uh, in my mind, of all time. And you making big shot after big shot. Describe that style of play and you guys beating the Lakers and how the game has changed, you know, over the years, especially the last uh, six, seven years when uh, some guy named Steph Curry gave everybody the green light. Nobody Steph Curry, but he gave a lot of people the green light. Yeah. Well, first of all, before I answer that question, I got a question for you. How the hell are you from Chicago? That's right. Michael Jordan, Chicago, and you a damn Lakers fan, bro? No, 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 no. Let me let me back up. I was a Bulls fan. Grew up in Chicago because in the 80s, they would beat MJ, right? Okay. And, and my Bulls, and my Bulls. Okay, okay. And, and let me go back to, I hated the Celtics too. So I remember in the early 80s, Michael didn't have anybody on, on his squad. Young team. Pippen, you know, was, was young, developing. So... The Celtics would beat up on the Bulls. The Pistons would beat up on the Bulls. So then they would advance, and the Lakers were there. So Lakers, I always loved Magic. So I rooted for the Lakers to beat up on the Celtics and the bad boy Pistons when Jordan finally had some guys around him, you know, obviously to take care of those teams. But, no, the Bulls are and will always be my team. I just love Magic as well. I'm glad we got that. I'm glad we got that squared away. So, basically, you – just cheer for the Lakers because you was hating on the Pistons. Exactly. 100%. You see how easy we could have did it. We could have did that so easy, man. It's cool, though. It's all good. Yeah, anything with the Pistons, I'm going to hate on. But again, obviously, Chauncey, <laughs> I, I love your game. You've always been a guy that's taken the big shot, loved the pressure, three-time Mr. Basketball in Colorado out of high school. Yeah. And you could have gone to other schools, and you decided to stay home. And I'm kind of getting away a little bit because I just yeah. can't stand the Pistons. I'm trying to give you some love. But nah, we're going back. We're, I going, just wanted- going, back to the, we're going back to the Pistons. We're going to go back to the Pistons. Oh, but my Pistons, though, not okay. not 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 the bad boys. We'll go, okay, we'll, go we'll go with us because that was the initial question that you asked. Yes. But I will say this. Up until that point, um, until I got to Detroit, bro, it was like I was the third pick in the draft, but, like, it didn't work. I wasn't I – wasn't, performing that way you know I struggled a lot early in my career and um unlike most people would say they're blaming on the coach or the situation or it was none of that bro I just wasn't ready you know um for the first time I was playing against players that was bigger than me and stronger than me and smarter so it took me a while to really adjust you know um to really catch on to the game you know and thankfully you know I said I had played on five teams my first five years, you know, so that never happened for a third pick, you know, um, but I just kept grinding, kept grinding. And finally, I went to Minnesota right before I went to Detroit. And I really grew up a lot my two years there. I had the, the, the pleasure, honestly, of learning from Terrell Brandon, who was kind of who was the starting point guard. And he was just so smart, so crafty. And we spent so much time together, bro. So, like, I was able to really hone my skills and my game. So now, boom, I get to Detroit. Their team was already pretty good. You know, they lost in the second round in the playoffs. They was a point guard away from being better or, you know, uh, another point guard away because the starting point guard then was was good, but he was a backup, you know. Um, so he became my backup and he was good, man. We became really good friends, but 
I was finally ready, you know, to really lead, run the show. Um, my first year there, Rick Carlisle was the coach. And, uh, you know, she wasn't there at the time, but Ben was there. He was defensive player of the year. Rip and I came together. Tay was drafted the same year, you know, um, that Rip and I came there. And we were just building on something. You know, we really were. Our our, our whole mindset was all blue collar. We, we played defense like none other. And we all enjoyed it. You know, we took enjoyment in shutting teams down. What well, that was not normal, you know, and it's certainly where the game is now. It's not normal at all, you know. Um, but we took pride in that. And then on the other side, we just shared the ball. You know, we just played the game the way the game should be played. And then we got lucky the following year to get Rasheed Wallace. And he just, uh, he was the piece that we needed, you know. He was vocal. He was uber-talented. We could throw him the ball. He could score on anybody. He was a great defender. Um, he was a team guy, which is, I, I talk about him being misunderstood. He was a, he's a big-time teammate. Not a selfish bone in his body. Um, and he was just what the doctor ordered for us, you know, and we just became an excellent, excellent team, well-rounded team, you know, and we weren't always the most talented or didn't have the biggest star power, but there was no better actual team than us. As, as we all know, all being athletes here from the era before this one, defense wins championships, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, like we said in the intro, you were a you know, two time all NBA defensive team. I mean, defensive player. And you talked about the, the fact that you had a defensive minded team. It takes a lot of heart and a lot of grit to really want to play defense every single night in the NBA, yeah. running up and down the court, not wanting to conserve energy on the defensive side, really wanting to get after it. What was the, the catalyst to you guys deciding? All right, look. This is going to be part of our brand. We're going to get in here. We're going to dig in and be dogs on defense as well as on offense. But this is going to be the thing that's going to uh, almost be a calling card for us. What was the catalyst for that? Was it a person? Was it the coach? Yeah. What was it? I think the catalyst uh, was our general manager, who was Joe Dumars, you know, mm. uh, who obviously Joe knew how to win, you know, coming from his great years and championships with the bad boys. He understood what the, what what to get players that embodied what the city was all about. That blue collar mentality, that's what Detroit is, you know. Um, and so a lot of that has to do with how they construct the team, you know. Um, and you go get like-minded guys that you know are full of grit, are full of toughness, you know. Um, and, and we did that. And at that time that we came together, we had all – and even when she came, we had all been thrown away from two and three different teams already, you know. So we would not, again, I had been five. Rip was coming from D.C. Ben was undrafted. Tay was the only one that we drafted, you know. Uh, Rip had, excuse me, she had got traded from Portland and then from Atlanta. So we just were a whole, a ton of guys that had just kind of been thrown away. And we knew that we were really talented. And we had some all-stars on our team, but we didn't have any superstars in a league full of superstars. So the only way that we was going to really be able to compete um, is that we had to do it together and we had to lock up, you know, um, and then 
who knew who knew was who was gonna have a big night offensively and we didn't even care. But we knew if we locked up every night we would have a chance. And uh we all believed in that, man. We just we just adopted that mentality. You know, to go back to that uh 04 uh, NBA finals, because the Lakers were heavily favored. You know, they had mm-hmm. so many uh incredible players, Hall of Famers on that club. Uh starting with Shaq, Kobe, I mentioned Malone, uh, arguably one of the best probably the best power forward outside of Tim Duncan. Uh, and obviously GP, lockdown defender. What was the mindset? You mentioned you guys knew you were going to win once you got to the finals, but nobody else really gave you guys a chance. When yeah. was a point in the series where you felt like, hey, man, we got these guys? You know, did you yeah. see any bickering between going on in that team or they just didn't have that same rhythm and flow the way you guys had the continuity? Uh, because you mentioned being a team. Was there a point in the series where you say, hey, man, not only can we win this, but we can we can take care of these guys pretty quickly? Yeah. Um, you know, I, in the first game, you know, the, and during the first game, you know, I felt like we was going to be good before the first game even started. A lot of our guys did. But during the first game, and the reason why I felt that way um, is because, you know, our, our our best two offensive plays, you know, we ran pick and roll and we ran rip off of all these screens. Hmm. And I felt like with Shaq on the floor, who we knew that we couldn't stop, but with him on the floor, he wasn't going to be able to stop either one of those actions because he wants to play closer to the rim and we're going to set these screens high. So I'm coming off for wide open shots all series. And if I run Rip's play, he's going to be running off of down screens off of Shaq's side. Shaq's not going to be able to show. So our best two offensive players can get any shot they wanted the whole time. That was the offensive side. Defensive side, I knew, you know, that we had no answer at all uh, for Shaq. Even if you double team him, you, you, yeah. he's going to be 35 and 15. But I did feel like if we double team Cole, we could be successful. Now, don't get me wrong, he could still go get you 40 on a double team. But now if he's shooting a lot of shots over double teams, now the rest of the team is not up. They're not happy about that, you know. So we played into the psychological aspect of the, of the game before the series even started, you know, um, and we continued to do that. And it just it played into our hands. I knew that Carl Malone, um, who ended up getting banged up in the series, but he can't beat a car alone from Utah. He don't get the ball that much. That's true. GP is, is you know, he, he, he don't get ISOs and he don't get the back down and he's not really a spot-up three-point shooter like that, which is what the triangle needs. So Gary's not going to be the Gary that kicked my butt the, the last five years before that, you know, um, and the guy, one of my favorite all-time point guards, he's not going to be that guy in this series. So all of those little things go into the mentality, the game plan, everything. And so I just felt like there was no way that they could beat us. Um, and in that first game, we showed it. Like, we didn't play great, but we were on the road. And there was there was never a time in the game where I felt like they're going to they gonna beat us. And eventually you guys broke up Shaq and Kobe. I, I mean, you guys broke them up with winning that championship. Ladies and gentlemen, you may have seen me drinking from the now famous White Yeti Cup. 
on today's episode and you're wondering what is he drinking out of that yeti cup well what i've been drinking has been supplied by today's sponsor futures hero antioxidant coffee futures hero is not just a great tasting coffee which it is but the patented healthy roast technology retains 75 percent jerry 75 percent of the naturally occurring antioxidants from the green coffee bean futures hero antioxidant coffee comes in whole bean ground k cups and cold brew in medium and dark roast futures hero antioxidant coffee is the healthy roast that's good for you you know you're an incredible player championship type of player we talk about you making big shot after big shot uh after you were done playing you got into tv uh yeah. did extremely well uh on espn now you you have a a, 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 a new role recently, I should say, as a head coach in the NBA. Talk about the transition from being a player to TV and yeah. then now being a head coach in the NBA and, and the different generations. Now you get a chance to kind of implement some of the things that you were taught through yeah. Larry Brown, Rick Carlisle to, to the next generation. Yeah. Hey, before you answer that, Chance, though, before you answer mm -hmm. that, I want to know if you remember when we were playing golf, and you hadn't yet started your process of becoming a head coach. You were an analyst and you were, I think somebody was about to interview you. And I was like, so what are you, are you gonna do it? Are you, and you were like, ah, I'm not really sure. I'm enjoying the analyst thing. Yeah. Do you remember that conversation when we were playing golf? Bro, I do remember that. And I was, I was about to interview with Orlando for uh, That's right. the associate head coaching job with Frank Vogel. And uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't all in on it at all. You know, I was loving, you know, the TV thing, because it allows you to, to play golf and, you know, yes, it's yes. all good. And I was kind of early in it. And um, I still love the TV thing. But one thing I learned about the TV thing, and I know you know this very well, uh, Jerry, is it's not very competitive, you know. And you come from, I come out of competing and wins and losses my whole life, you know, and to doing that, you go to the, game or, or pre-game, post-game, or I started even calling games and I leave it and I'm like, damn, that was cool. But I didn't want to lose, you know? Um, there was no like, you know. So that was really, to be honest, what kind of, where I went from playing to TV, which was great. I was able to really kind of speak my knowledge of the game and teach the viewers, you know, kind of my basketball acumen and what I felt about the game. And then I started to realize, like, I got so much left in me that I got to give back, you know, these young people. I, I got to pour into these young guys. And so then, boom, I started to change lanes and to think about coaching. And uh, coaching has been awesome. And I, I, I absolutely love coaching. I love it. I love it. I love to compete. I love to teach. And um, these players today are so damn gifted. Um skill wise and i think that the one thing that you know that i see that i can help the most with is just the mental aspect of the game and understanding the game and understanding you know your team and how to lead and how to like those type of things um and it's, i just feel that's my responsibility you know at this point to kind of give back you know that's what and that's what the older players taught me so i've noticed a pattern in our sport, in Jerry and I's sport baseball, we have a lot of catchers who have gone on to become very successful managers. Mm -hmm. uh, Joe Torre, Joe Torre 
uh, Bruce Bochy, Mike Sosha, Joe Girardi. Mm. Uh, uh, there's there, Ned Yost, Mike Matheny. I mean, there's there's a lot. Yeah. And in your sport, it appears as though the point guard is the catcher, per mm-hmm. se. Mm-hmm. You know, with with Derek Fisher, Steve Kerr, Steve Nash, Tyron Lue, Jason Kidd, Chauncey Billups. What do you think it is about the point guard that allows him to be so successful as a head coach? I mean, with catchers. I don't really know why they're so successful. They're the guys that can see everything on the field, but they don't, you know, they're, they're not privy to a lot of the information that, that we are in our positions. But with the point guard, maybe that's a different thing. You have to know everybody's job. Yeah. Uh, that's why I think a quarterback would probably be a decent head coach. But what do you think it is about the point guard that makes him such a good head coach in basketball? Well, I think for me, and I can only really speak for me, is, um, you know, being that point guard, you're responsible, responsible for so much. Um, you're, I'm responsible of making sure, say I got a three man that, you know, he can't dribble that well, but he can shoot the heck out of it. You know, um, I'm responsible to make sure that he gets quality shots and he's not dribbling too much and playing outside of his game or a five man that, you know, you know, he, he's not a lob threat, but he can make, he got a great touch around the rim. I'm responsible to make sure that he, you know, plays well and that he does what he needs to do. And if he's out of line, I'm the one that got to hold him accountable as well. And you have to deal with so many different personalities because as a point guard, everybody feel like they open on every play. Everybody want to score 20. Everybody, you know, it's just, that's just what it is. So you have to learn how to deal with so many different personalities. and you got to learn how to, you got to say tough stuff, you know, to them. And you got to be able to say tough things without leaving bruises a lot of times. So you learn how to do these things over the course of your career if you're very serious about it. And also, you see the game totally different because you seeing, you see the game offensively, you know, you can see the whole game, you see what's going on, you, you study differently, you not only study your opponent, you study an entire team, you study their plays, you study their tendencies which is what all coaches have to do. Um, so, so much, so many of these transferable skills from being a point guard to being a coach, I've been doing forever, you know? Um, so it was pretty, it was a very easy adjustment for me, you know? Um, in fact, I was doing all of that for so long. Now you coaching, now you got coaches on your staff. You can delegate some of these responsibilities. As a point guard, you couldn't delegate. It's all on you. You got to go get it. You got to go do it. Um, and if it's not getting done, you feel like it's on you, you know, this guy didn't play well, damn, I should have, I should have been better. I should have helped him, you know? So I just think that it was, it's a natural thing, you know, from being a point guard, because you're kind of the coach on the floor, you know? And I know for me that that's, I was so happy. I learned from so many great coaches and being that extension, you know, to coaching on the floor from Larry Brown's to George Carl, played for him for a few years, Rick Carlisle, Flip Saunders, who's an offensive genius. Like, just just so many guys. My college coach, Ricardo Patton. I just took so many, you know, of those, those their their best, strongest suits. I just I just took them with me, you know. So I, I coach the game, and I see the game the way that I played the game, if that makes sense from a mentality standpoint. Like, 
obviously the game is totally different. The three point shot, and you know, Jerry, you mentioned it. The, the Steph Curry effect on the game, and Dame Lillard, their effect on the game has changed the game. But mentality wise, that thing never changes. You know, to me, if you you either a winning type of player, you got a winning spirit, or you're a loser. You know, and you all about stats and you're all about this and that. You don't care about who wins. To me, that's a loser. Um, that's a losing spirited guy and player. And so to me, that never changes. I don't care how many changes the game makes. That is what it is. You know, it's amazing. You basically described uh, a catcher. You know, me, playing, really? I played a variety of positions. When you were talking about the point guard, seeing the floor, being able to uh, tell another player, hey, you're not doing things right. Well, that's the job of a catcher. Uh, mm. to tell pitchers, hey, man, you don't have this pitch working. You know, and the, the catcher calls every pitch. Now, sometimes it's from the, the dugout. You know, the manager or the pitching coach will, will suggest a pitch or two when the catcher mm. looks over. But then at the last second, it's the catcher, because he's there on the, on the fly, like the point guard, to put down the pitches that he feels that that guy in the batter's box is going to swing and miss or put mm. in play weakly. So very similar to a point guard, I guess that's why, Stephen, you know, you're smart. You, you said it. You see a lot of catchers who are smart uh, because they're in every play, calling plays, you see a lot of them become successful managers when they're done playing. You know, Chauncey, I'm going to put you on the spot, man. You know, more so than any other sport, you know, the NFL, Major League Baseball, uh, the NBA always talks about the GOAT. You know, they always talk about who's the greatest, who's this and that. You got a chance to play in the 90s, 2000s, yep. and now you're coaching in, in this era. Now, in, in my humble opinion, and I've talked to so many great players, Magic Johnson was my boss, who's part owner uh, uh, of the Dodgers, and he helped the broadcasting apartment. Magic would always say MJ. You know, everybody's great. Everybody has their own thing, but it was always MJ. He said, it's Michael Jordan and then everyone else. And I'm going to go, side with Allen Iverson. When they talk about Michael Jordan and LeBron James being who's the best – I, AI would always say, what about Kobe? You know, you guys forgot? Like, Kobe should be in this conversation. You got a chance to play against and coach against all three. I'm going to leave it to you. Where do you rank those three? And who would be your starting five mm. any era? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'll say this. Um, as far as the GOAT is concerned, I, I can only speak to guys that I, like, seen or played against. Because, you know, two generations before me, everybody would say Wilt or this or that. So I'm only going to speak to guys that, that I played against or seen. MJ's the GOAT. I'm going MJ. Um, I think that I agree with I agree with AI. Like, I don't, I don't like that people dismiss Kobe in that conversation, mm -hmm. you know, with uh, MJ. And LeBron, I don't, I don't like that they do that because Kobe deserves yes. some consideration there. There's no question about it. Um, so, you know, for me, I would say um, MJ. Uh, if you want me to rank those three guys, I would say MJ first. Um, I would say LeBron second, Kobe third, um, which I have a hard time on that two and three. To hold, I'm still have a hard time. With it, you know, so I'm not yeah. confident in two and three. I'm very confident in one. And if I had to uh, uh, 
to pick a starting five, I would say Magic, who is my all-time favorite player. Even though I wasn't a Laker fan, I just fat Magic was my all-time favorite. Is my all-time favorite. So I would say Magic at the point. I would go MJ at the two. LeBron at three. I would say uh, Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan at the four. And Dream. I go Halajuan five. Mm. That's, a great, that's a great five right there, the dream. Uh, so wait, ooh. but wait, but wait, the dream over Shaquille? Yeah, yes, yes. I'm going to dream over Shaq at the five. Yes, yes. Shaq was Oof. dominant. Like, Shaq was unstoppable. Don't get me wrong. But I don't think he rebound better than dream. I don't think he was a better defensive player than dream. Um. Yeah, he, he it was just different. Dream got more blocks, more re, like he, it, Dream was different, man. Okay. That's a great, that's a great five, if, man. That's a great five. I wonder if you told Shaquille he was going to be playing a seven-game series for the GOAT title against somebody <laughs> like the Dream. Oh, how it, his it, defense it, would it already happened. How his defense would come to the game, though. Steven, like if you were Steven? like, okay, Shaquille, Steven? yeah. It already happened, bro. It already happened. <laughs> that who? that series who? happened. But here's my thing with what you're saying, though, Stephen. Here's my thing. We should never have to have a um. All right, an incentive. This is for, this is for the goat. No, nah, that should be right. what you bring in everything. It should just right. be. Right. It should right just there. be what you bring. But we both we all know that there are guys who don't do that. They don't bring it every night. They got another gear that they don't bring to the arena every night. And yes, I'm of the same mindset. You should play your best game every day like it's the last chance you're going to ever get a chance to do it. But we know not everybody does that. I think Shaquille has even admitted yeah, that there was days that. that that he didn't bring his 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 most powerful A game to the arena. So I'm saying if he was placed in a seven-game series against whoever the like, whether it be Kareem or the Dream, whoever, Steven, and said, Steven, "Okay, don't ask this, this question, is for the bro. goat." Stephen, don't ask this question, brother, because I'm gonna cut you off. <laughs> I'm, not, I, happened, I'm not bro. asking. I'm not answering the question. I'm just saying I wonder Steven, how he would show up. You were you were too busy playing baseball when this happened. You were playing he baseball would, professionally. He would show up. He, okay, Shaq showed up. Dream versus Shaq actually happened in the NBA Finals. And the Dream, I mean, went after Shaq. And it, again, now Shaq was a little younger still, but. Was, the was dream that Orlando? No, no, that wasn't yes. Orlando. That it was, was, it was that Orlando. Was, or, Orlando. Orlando Shaq. Okay. Yeah. But Orlando Shaq was ama- amazing. What are you talking about? He was incredible. But, yeah, but, but he wasn't was LA Shaq. He wasn't a second. championship but, Shaq. But it happened, and the Dream beat him up so much that Shaq challenged him to a one-on-one, and it almost happened, to a one-on-one because he felt so embarrassed. Something happened where it was going to be a million dollars one-on-one. Dream uh, uh, agreed to do it. Shaq was going to do it. That was going to happen, but something happened. I don't know what happened. We got to go back and, and, uh, and get our research department. But Dream faced Shaq, and I love Shaq. I think Shaq is, if you put Shaq, you know, as, as the number one center, I'm all for it. But the dream doesn't get enough love. Defensively, offensively, he can he could fly to down the court, could run run the floor. So I think either or. My last question for you, Chauncey, uh, as a coach, you guys just dra- drafted Scoot Henderson, who I got a chance to see play 
uh, incredibly explosive young man. Uh, what's it going to be like getting him now in the mix in the fold and coaching this young, talented player? Man, I am so excited to, to coach Scoop. I mean, just in my early, you know, kind of coaching and talking and developing my relationship with him, um, obviously I was such a big fan from afar watching him the last couple of years in the G League. And I kept saying, man, that dude is gone, man. Mm. So now that I got my hands on him, it's like Play-Doh. Like, you can just kind of shape him. And, but this dude, he's uh, he is highly motivated, man. And he is highly motivated. He's chasing greatness, you know. Um, he asked questions that you're like, damn, I, I, I didn't see that coming. Like, he's asking questions, bro, to me as we watching film and stuff, like, that makes me so excited. And... Obviously, athletically, he's gifted. Um, Skill-wise, he's gifted. But he got one thing about him that's my favorite thing. He's mean, man. He got mm. some mean, got some mean in him. And he ain't out there like, you know, smacking five when somebody cross him over or a good shot or boom. No, he ain't doing none of that. And, I, man, when I tell you I love that, you know, because I don't – these new guys are not quite like that. So – we're going to keep that going, you know? Um, so he's, he's, I, I love everything about him, man. Um, I'm, I just, I'm, I'm pouring everything I got into him for sure. Now that, that question being asked, I mean, I know this is a touchy subject, but I do want to know the situation with Dame requesting the trade only wants to go to Miami from what I'm hearing. What, as a head coach, obviously you want to keep the guy, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But you know he's asking to go. He's put in his ten or more for the for the for the organization. And wants to go try to try to uh, compete for a championship. Does that have you up at night trying thinking of ways, guys, that you can bring in to make him say, "All right, you know what? Never mind. I don't want to go." Mm -hmm. I mean, are you kind of racking your brain every day, like, "Okay, what can I do? Who can I call right. to get somebody that's going to keep him here?" Yeah, I mean. Been doing that, man. Been doing that. And I, I would just say this. Um, like, Dame and I are really, really close, man. We're really close. And, you know, I've kind of tried to be there for him and with him through the the, the the entire way, you know. And I, um, I'm happy for Dame. I really am. Because Dame, in all honesty, deserves a chance to win a championship. Dame's 33 years old, you know. He's coming off his best statistical year of his career, but he's 33. And these years go by pretty fast. And he understands and knows that three more years, four more years, he's gonna be 36, 37. He gotta be competing now, you know, for a championship. So um, I think I'm, I'm not I'm not mad at all about what he did and I think he's right. You know, he does deserve a chance to win a championship. And if we're not in position in Portland to do so, he needs to be somewhere where he can possibly do so. So I hope it works out that way, you know, where he's has a chance because he deserves it, man. He's done it the right way the, his entire career. Um, he got nothing but love for Portland, for the fan base, for the, for the organization. He's showed it. He's been loyal. He's cut from a different cloth. And um, trust me, it, it took a lot for him to even get to this point and say, man, let me let me try it somewhere else, you know, because he of his affinity for uh, for the area, you know, for Portland. So I hope it all works out perfect for Dane, 
And obviously, I hope it works out perfect for us. But yeah, Stephen, man, I'm I, I've racked my brain all over the place, you know, of what we could do to to keep him before he made this request. And now you're racking your brain saying, okay, well, dang, who could we get? You know, um, what could we do here? You know, what's possible here? So I would just say this at this point, I'm glad I'm the head coach and not the GM. You got to tell Yeah, it's, it, it's crazy because I, I watch, and, and like you, I want it to work out for both of you guys mm -hmm. because I love seeing him there. I love the fact that he's kind of an old school mentality yeah. guy where he wants to stay in the same organization yeah. and he wants to do it for the people that brought him. You know what I mm -hmm. mean? But at mm -hmm. the end of the day, I, I, I understand where he's coming from. I mean, you only get so many years to, to, to be in your prime and to, to have that market value where you can go to a, a title contender right away and they want you and they, they can use you and put you in a position to, to go on a little bit of a run, if not just win one, maybe, you know, a couple. But it's just, you know, I know it's got to be driving. And one thing I do know, playing for a champion like yourself, playing for a guy who's going to be a, a player's coach because you were such a good player, you were a player in multiple organizations, you got a lot of chances to uh, be coached by different guys, different personalities. So you've, I'm sure you've taken the best from all of those situations and, and put it into your style. I yep. know, you know, to play for a guy like you has got to be something that he enjoys. So I'm sure he's torn a little bit too. But I just, I hope it works out for you guys just because I want to see you win. I want to see him win. And I want to see you guys do it together. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. I hope so. Well, Chauncey, that was perfectly said, man. We really appreciate your time. Uh, we hope like- Hold on, I got said. one more. I got one more question. One more question. Yes, one more question. The Buffs. What is Coach Ooh. Prime going to do with the Buffs? Is Here he going to be able to do He came and showed up. He he's said he's bringing around. his Louis Vuitton. He is he gonna... I, I was with him yesterday, bro. I went up and seen him, spent some time with him yesterday. He's doing great, first of all. You know, he he, he had to have his little surgeries and stuff and get ready for the season. So he he's going to be ready to go. But I would just say this, man. Um, I went up there right when our season was over. I came home to Denver. I went up there and seen him, whatever. It was right before the spring game. And uh, just sitting, talking with him, chopping it with him. And then he said, Chance, when, when you come back here, it's going to be a little different. Mm -hmm. So I went up there yesterday. And I'm watching the team practice. And um, there's a different level of person and athlete in that building now. And I was just like, damn, this happened in a couple months. I can't wait to see what happens in a year or two. But I think this year, you know, I'm 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 banking and betting. I think he's gonna win six or seven games this year, man. That would really. be okay. that would be incredible. You know, especially in the, the last incredible. couple of years. And I got a chance to play against Prime on the baseball field. Did you? I mean oh yeah. I played against him on the baseball field. He was in – I was coming up. I was in AAA with the Orioles organization before I made it to the big leagues. And then he was working himself back. He hit a ball in the gap. I turned around. He's already rounding second, where a normal guy is rounding first. That's how fast he was. And he was a little older, hey. too. So, hey. the prime – I'm trying to see that speed on the baseball field, next level speed. And I hope – you yeah. know, I know he's going to turn things around in Colorado – one of my good friends, Chris Brown, is a former Colorado yeah, uh, yeah, football CB. player. That's my boy, CB. 
Yeah. Six touchdowns against Nebraska. He went to my high school. I'm really good friends with his older brother, too. So I hope success for, for Dion and your alma mater. And yeah. Chauncey, we appreciate your time. We got to play golf because, you know, I hear you, you can swing it now. I hear you can swing it. Man. So man, I, I would I, love I, to play with y'all, man. I would love when I come back to L.A., man. Let, let's 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 do it, man. Let's do it. I'm, hey, don't let we'll Je, don't up. let Jerry don't let Jerry talk you into playing straight up though, because he likes to not give strokes well, when he's like a he's like a three handicap. Stop that. And, you know, Why we, you gotta, we, we we So Jerry, you don't you, you don't you, believe in the handicap system, bro? I'm old school. You know, I'm old school. You know, I want straight up. It's you like if we're if we're gonna play if we're playing one on one basketball, Chancey, are you gonna give me points? Yeah, he pre probably would. If it depends, it depends if we was betting or not. But I will tell you this: you old school. You remind me one of the Denzel greatest. Washington. I, I was I, I was I was gonna say somebody else, but I'm, I'm gonna okay. let you keep Denzel. I'm gonna let you keep Denzel. <laughs> but you remind me of my college coach. He's a good golfer, and every time I play with him, I'm like, all right, well, what are we doing? And he's like, I said, I need I need two aside, whatever. He said, no, we, we, you know I don't do no strokes. I said, well, what, what do you do? <laughs> so he says, this is his line all the time. He said, I'd rather give you a lesson than, than give you some strokes. Oh, I'm going to steal that. That's a good Ooh. one, ain't it? I'm gonna he said, that. I'd rather give you a lesson than give you some strokes. So you you remind me of him. All big, yeah. But, hey, Steven, <laughs> me, and you, me and you can do what we got to do. We gonna get, I'm going to get out of Jerry's way, man. He's too slick, man. Hey, I try to play him. I try to play him, and I say about if we played ten times, I might get him three times, cause he, you know, he plays and he's good, and you know, I'm good, but he's consistent. He's got a, yeah. he's got a cut off. The, he's got a cut shot that he can rely on mm. all day long, and the only time he ever gets in trouble is if there's trees hanging over yeah. the left side His of course, the, the Calabasas, box. man. That does not suit my eye. That's the only course. It's tough for a right-handed guy who cuts it. That course is not suitable yes. for my yeah. style of play, and that's when Steven gets me. That's the only time you ever beat me. That's your course. Why you think I keep? Why you I think know, I you keep don't... inviting you to come out every week? <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's a good invite, hey, we're, yeah, buddy. We're all gonna get a chance to play, and we'll make sure, Steven. We'll look when Portland comes into town, in L.A. We'll set it up, and make sure. Yeah. You know what? If you come out, I know you're busy. I will give you strokes because you're gonna be in season. You're gonna be so focused on on your Blazers. Uh, Chauncey, really appreciate the time, man. We wish you the uh, the best of luck, uh, not only this season coming up, but many, many years to come. I know you're a guy that's going to continue to teach your style of play to the next generation. Talked about Henderson. He's got the right coach uh, for the next couple of years. So I uh, really Thank appreciate you. your time, brother. Uh, look forward to see you on the golf course for Stephen Bishop. And thanks again, Chauncey Billup. This is Jerry Hairston Jr. for Hollywood Swinging.